Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. There's value in a name. A name comes with reputation, good or bad. A name comes with history. A name comes with power. Think of days of old when people would say, you know, soldiers would say something like, do such and such in the name of the king. And someone ever said to you, oh, you're so-and-so's daughter. That name is important. Tonight, I want to look and study God's name. Turn your Bibles, or you can read up on the screen. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 tonight. Guys, be excited, because it's about to get crazy. Are you all ready for this? Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Cut your Bible in half, cut the second half in half. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So what's happened since last week? We've had a bunch of stuff go on. Remember the story of the angels? They come to the shepherds, and the shepherds are like, what? And the angels tell them to go to Bethlehem. They're going to find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You've heard this story every year at Christmas time. Fast forward a little bit to in the Jewish culture, on the eighth day, they would circumcise the sons. And on that day, they would actually, actually put the staple of the name on the son. And that's what we're going to pick up tonight. After, after that, they bring Jesus to the temple to present him as a newborn. They run into this guy. He's like an old guy. And, and he had felt the spirit had told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And he comes running up to see Mary and Joseph and their little baby. And then after saying some amazing, really prophetic words, which you need to go read for yourself because they're amazing, they have another encounter with an old lady, and she is seriously like 106 years old. Like, not kidding. Again, read it, do the math. And she gives praise, and she is like blown away by who Jesus is, even as a baby. But I want to look at that time when they named Jesus. Luke chapter 2, we're starting 15. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them, talking about the shepherds, into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. And when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. Do you all remember that part? We talked about it last week. And the angel is talking to Mary and he says, I want you to give him the name Jesus. All right, cool. We're on the same page. Do you have anything after that? That's it? Awesome. I want to rewind a little bit in the Bible. Actually, we're going to rewind a whole lot. We're going to jump to about 1,440 years earlier. And if you were to cut back to Exodus chapter 3, I think we actually have that too. 
Y'all remember the story of how the Hebrews were in, the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt? Nod your head, yes. I remember the story. You guys got to read your Bibles, seriously. The Hebrews are enslaved in Egypt, and Pharaoh is like coming down hard on them and forcing them to work. And then he starts realizing that there's too many of them, and they may rebel. So he starts having them throw their children into the Nile so the alligators would eat them. And amidst this, this horrible, terrible, bloody time, Moses is born. And he's saved through this miraculous move of his mom of putting him in a basket and floating him down the river where Pharaoh's daughter finds him. Come on, please tell me you're like, yes, Dom, I'm with you. All right, this is an amazing story. So fast forward, he grows up in the house of Pharaoh as a Hebrew. One day he figures it out that he is not like the rest of the Egyptians. He sees an Egyptian beating one of his fellow countrymen and he rises up against the Egyptian and kills him and buries him in the sand, except someone saw him. And so he has to run from his life. There's a contract on his life and he runs away and lives for 40 years as a humble shepherd in the middle of the desert. And then God shows up. Burning bush? Yes? All right, cool, cool. At the burning bush, that's what we're picking up right now. Exodus chapter three, guys, hang with me. It's about to get crazy. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Pause right there. Okay. In Egypt, they had lots of gods. They had the God of the Nile. They had the God of the grain, the God of the sun, the God of the moon, the God of the big toe. I don't know. They had lots of gods. They all had names. So Moses can't just go in and say, hey, guys, God said he wants to bring you out. They're going to go, uh, which God? That's a generic term, Moses. So Moses asked this question, God. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Oh, la, 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 la. who am I that I should go to Pharaoh that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, God is saying, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Guys, okay. I am that I am in Hebrew. Back in ancient Hebrew, they did not have vowels. They only spelled with consonants. And it was spelled Y-H-W-H, all capital letters. That's how we recognize it as the name of God. There was a time whenever, when the Jewish priests believed that the name of God was so sacred that they wouldn't speak it. So there was a period of time when they actually lost the pronunciation of what vowels to put in there. There was another series of time whenever they believed that the name of God was so sacred that you shouldn't even write it. So whenever the scribes would translate the scriptures and copy them, instead of putting Y-H-W-H, they would just put four dots. Jackie and I got to go visit the Dead Sea Scrolls in Los Angeles once, and we got to see a page out of Psalms. And amidst all this Hebrew that I'll never be able to read, there'd be four dots right in the middle. And it was written during that time. And it's another series of time when they were writing the scriptures, they believed the name of God was so sacred that before the scribe could write those letters, he would have to go and wash his hands before he'd write it. 
The name of God was so valuable and beautiful and precious and sacred to them. I am that I am. And, and the best translation they have is the name. They fill in those vowels with Y-A-W-E-H, Yahweh. Y'all heard that name before? Yahweh. Y'all, do you realize that in a land where the children of Israel have been for 400 years, they're surrounded by gods that are false. They're surrounded by these carved images. They're surrounded by these, these religions that are based on worshiping the sun that can't hear them. And God is making this, this statement. He's saying, in a world where there's gods that are not, I am. When everything else will let you down, when no other ears are hearing you, I exist. I actually am. Yahweh will be with you. When you feel alone and you feel like there is nobody near you, I am. Moses, Yahweh, the name of God. Whenever you look in your Bibles, it's actually all throughout your Bible. You just never, have never noticed it before. The name of Yahweh is still so sacred that they really don't type it out in very many Bibles at all. Maybe sometimes in Exodus chapter 3. But in the rest of the Bibles, you'll spot it when you see all capital letters, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. And that's why sometimes in the Psalms it looks confusing. And David will say, oh, my Lord, the Lord. And you're like, what? A bit redundant, David, because one is all caps and one is capital L, lowercase O, R, indeed. And he's saying, oh, Yahweh, my Lord. Now when you read your Bibles, insert that. You know that you, so, see, when we sing songs that we're like, oh, Lord, how excellent is your name? It has meaning now. Our God's name is worthy. Are you guys ready? Because it's about to get crazy. This is the God who in Genesis chapter 3 promised to crush the head of the ser serpent. God promises the day's going to come when you're going to bruise his heel and he's going to crush your head. This is the same God that rescued a righteous family in the ark when he wiped sin off the planet. This is the same God that promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that I'm going to bless you and make your family a blessing to all nations. And through you, I'm going to bless all people. Abram had no idea what God was talking about. This is the same God that gave the picture of an innocent life being sacrificed through Isaac on the altar, that God would stop Abraham at the last second and fill in a substitute with the ram caught in the thicket, giving us a beautiful picture of the substitute of Jesus for us. This is the same God that rescued the nation of the Hebrews out of Egypt from the angel of death because of the covering of the blood over their doors. This is the same God that would meet them out at Mount Sinai and institute the sacrifice of spotless animals so that their sin would be seen as God on the animals and die instead of them having to pay the penalty of death. This is the same God that in Jeremiah 31, 31 would promise that he would make a new covenant written on hearts instead of on stone, a new covenant where he would be with his people and his people would be with him. This is the same God that sent his son into the world that would sit at the last supper and he would raise up that cup and say, this is the blood of the new covenant. 
This is my blood. This is the God who put on his son the name above all names, Jesus. You know what the name of Jesus means in Hebrew? It means Yahweh saves. That's our God. The God that at the very beginning knew what he was going to do and picked out the name above all names, the name that would save all of us from our sins. Well, wait, there's more. If you'll only hold on for several more minutes, I will give you absolutely free another mind-blowing revelation. You guys ready for this? It's about to get even crazier. In ancient Hebrew, two things are true. They read from right to left instead of left to right, backwards from us. And something else is every letter in the Hebrew language is a word in their vernacular. So this would be H-W-H-Y, right? And every one of those letters is a Hebrew word. Y'all want to check it out and see what it would say? Are y'all ready? I hope y'all are buckling up. You ready? Okay, here we go. Now, I think we have a slide. I hope you can read it because I want you to see if you can figure it out for yourself. Throw it up there for me, Kyle. Cross your fingers. Can y'all read that? Can y'all read the fine, the fine print? If not, I'll read it for you. All right, I want you to find, for those of you who can read it, the W, the I-H-W-H, the H-W-H-Y. Can you find it? Did y'all spot it? Is anybody like totally lost? Is anybody been mind blown yet? Y-H-W-H, H-W-H-Y. The H is in the top corner over here. All right, shh, everybody be quiet. Shh. H means behold, as in look, to be revealed, behold. W means the hand, represented in the ancient Hebrew letters as an arm and hand. Behold the hand. And the Y means nail. Behold the hand. Behold the nail. One thousand four hundred and seventy years before Jesus would die on the cross, God revealed his name, and his name is the revelation of who Jesus would be. Who would die by Roman cross, a perfect blood sacrifice, a lamb of substitute to erase my sin and your sin and save us. Behold the hand, behold the nail. Yahweh. Oh, Lord, how excellent is your name. You want to keep going? Yeah. Now, through the years, Hebrew letters have morphed. 
there's early, there's middle, there's, hello, is this like thunder? Hello, wow. I feel like God is like echoing me. Wow. So I want to show a picture. If you take these four letters and you go back to the way they were originally written, the way the Old Testament was written their first time around, I want to just point out what these letters look like because they initially represented symbols. Like I said that there was behold, there was the hand, which was the arm outstretched with a fist, behold again, and then there was the nail, oh, tent peg, wow. <laughs> Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. Take a look at these symbols. Throw that up for me, Kyle. I want you to see that behold is represented by a guy with his arms up like this going, behold. Is someone just like get freaked out right there? It's represented as a man with his arms spread out, guys. And then there's the Y that represents the tent peg. And there's the bottom, the arm that's stretched out. Now, throw up the last slide with the chart again, because if this isn't cool enough, are you ready for the last bit? <laughs> this is so cool. All right, John, y'all remember Jesus's last words? He's on the cross and he says before he dies and the sun goes black and the earth cracks. What is it he says? It is finished. When you look back at this and you find the Y right up here, it's Yod. It's the second down from the far left. It is a hand closed or open, and it means to work. A deed is done, a finished work. Like that is the God we serve. That is amazing. That is the God that we call master. So I do want to leave you with a question. Boy, we serve an awesome God. Like, boom, right? Just like back in Exodus, we're surrounded with gods today. They don't have names like Dagon or Ra or Baal or anything like that. They have a lot of different names, different personalities and faces. And the first commandment that God set down when they were at Sinai was, you shall have no other gods before me. All those gods are empty. They are not. I am. Our gods, sometimes our gods are maybe the dollar. How many times have we let work take up the time when we should have been serving the Lord? We should have been worshiping. Sometimes our gods are lust. Sometimes our gods are something that's not even seemed like bad. Maybe it's a sport, a football team. Maybe it's that car that just eats up all of our time. There's people that put more time into their vehicle than they do in their family. Our gods can be very deceptive. Our gods may be image, pride, vanity, and they are gods that will rob us of the life that the true and living God has for us. What is that God that you need to nail to that cross? We did that over conference and it was powerful. 
what is that God that you need to rearrange your priorities and maybe move that out and put Yahweh as your center? Make Jesus your Lord again. That's what Lord actually means. Like the actual word Lord, not the Yahweh version. Lord means master, which all of a sudden makes some things clear because Jesus says, many are going to stand in front of me and they're going to say, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, I never knew you. We translate that differently. We hear them go, master, master. And Jesus responds, I was never your master. What are those things that we allow to be idols in our lives? We're going to move to e-groups here in a minute. The girls will be in here. The guys will be out there. Look for your e-group leaders. Wait, we're going to pray. We serve there's not like, I can't even come up with a word better. Like there is, we serve an incredible, magnificent, awesome God. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the spinner of galaxies, and he calls you friend. He is Yahweh. May you never read your Bible the same again. Heavenly Father, be in this place. Your word is so cool. <laughs> Thank you for naming your son Yahweh saves because that's exactly who he was to me. Let your word pierce our hearts. Let it plant seeds in us. And I pray for the e-groups that you open our minds, that we'll be honest with ourselves and with the people around us, that you'll do a work through these e-group leaders, anoint them to be your ministers. In Jesus' name, amen.